Welcome to Flock Talk, a podcast of GCF North. Flock Talk exists to inform, encourage, and inspire. This is your host, Dave Farley, lead pastor of GCF North. This is season one, episode 11. And I'm joined today by two very important, esteemed guests, Bill and Judy Farley. Uh, Bill is the founding pastor of GCF and uh, senior pastor emeritus, whatever that means. What does that mean? Yeah, what does that mean? <laughs> what that means? <laughs> That's a good question. Did you get to golf with the staff? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, so who are Bill and Judy Farley? Give us, give us a a little maybe one or two minute biography. Uh, Mom, Judy. Okay. Why don't you um, go first? Grew up in a very strong Catholic family, wanted to be a nun as a fourth grader. Uh, but she didn't become a nun. Went to went all through grade school and Catholic school. <laughs> lived lived in a lot of places because my dad was in the military. Anyway, ended up at Washington State University where I met my husband, Bill, who was also Catholic. Uh, we got married, and I mean, I mean, Catholic in name, yeah. right? <laughs> well, we, I went was to, we went to mass every Sunday because he was the champion chugger. It is, yeah. We would go off the get Fiji drunk house Saturday night and go to mass Sunday morning. But I, I was, <clears> I mean, I was a very devout Catholic. The roots, roots went quite deep. Got married. You weren't very devout when I met you. <laughs> <laughs> Can you believe that out? <laughs> okay, so I loved a good party. <laughs> Man, anyway, oh got married, and about three months after we got married, God, out of his graciousness, through his Holy Spirit, descended upon us and plucked us out of our darkness, mm-hmm. and that was 52 years ago. Yeah. But but didn't Dad got saved first? Yeah. Oh, yes. Most Judy got saved 14 months later. He was, a lot, he was in law school at Gonzaga, and I th- thought, I'm, gonna mar- I'm married to a lawyer. Catholic lawyer. A Catholic you're you're going to be rich. <laughs> so uh, through the testimony of his dear brother, Bruce, he uh, converted to Christ and decided law school probably wasn't the direction God wanted him to go. So, and he, How did you feel about that? Oh, I it, that was painful. But that was just the first of many painful decisions. <laughs> so he uh, quit law school and... Uh, had to go into the military, so he went to uh, Fort Knox, Kentucky. He was a second lieutenant, tank commander. First lieutenant. First lieutenant. And uh, it was there that I was converted. But when he was converted, it was radical. Mm -hmm. It was Paul on the Damascus Road. He left me in a cloud of dust. I thought, here I'd married this nice, stable guy, and now he just all he wanted to do is sit around and read his Bible. He wanted to leave the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. God yep. waited till we got married because he knew we'd never marry because I wouldn't have been holy enough for him and I would have thought he was a lunatic. Yeah. That's all true. We're so thankful the conversion happened after we got married. Yes. So um, you get married, you're in law school, he quits law school, then military, and then you mm-hmm. came back to Spokane. Mm-hmm. Uh, what year was that when you came back? That was the spring of '73. Judy was pregnant with pregnant Sarah. Pregnant with our first of our five children. Okay, mm-hmm. no job. And we were just talking today. We were both reminiscing. We had a Volkswagen Bug, and we drove back all the way back from Kentucky, the southern route. We went down to Southern California, kind of made a long drive, 
Judy was about seven months pregnant, and we had a, a little those little tape decks, battery powered tape decks. You know, you you guys probably don't even remember those, about the size of a shoebox. A shoebox, yeah. And you put it, you'd open it, put a tape deck in it, and then you'd have to replace the batteries every ten or twelve hours. And we had a whole series of tastes by Bob Mumford yes. on motivation. Mo, it was called Motivation Series. It's basically Christian hedonism before John Piper came along. Mm. It was about the kingdom of God and how people, what it brings people into the kingdom of God is that they are, they see God as their happiness and their joy. And this was a really big turning point for both Huge. of us in our Christian, in our walk with the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Was he influenced by the Puritans? Like, no, like Aaron Baxter? He was, he, was a Pente- he was kind of a classic Pentecostal who huh. went to Episcopalian Reform Seminary in Philadelphia. And uh, he's he's the one that introduced us to R.J. Rush Dooney. He was a profound reader and thinker. He was an incredible preacher. I've never heard anyone to this day preach like Bob Mumford. To this day, I've never heard anybody. It was the Holy Spirit. The guy had a lisp. He was a short, fat guy with a lisp. Yeah. But God was with him. Well, Whitfield, they called Dr. Squidham because he had one eye that was closed half the time. Mm -hmm. I still remember he 30 does, years ago. He doesn't need much to work with, does he? <laughs> Praise I God. Can, I can still remember Toxic gave 30 years ago, and I can still remember the subject and everything about it. And when you guys give a sermon, nobody remembers my sermons from 30 years ago, you know, or 20 years ago. The, the, what causes that to happen? Holy Spirit, yeah. God is present, you know. Amen. So, so, any rate. so um, most people at GCF know you as the founding pastor of GCF. But you were not a pastor until age 52. I mean, you were a lay pastor. You were a lay yeah. elder yeah. for many, many years. Uh, but your vocation was insurance. Right. So so tell us about the insurance business. How long were you in that business? What was it like? Well, when I was 22 and a half, six months after I was converted, I received a really powerful call to feed God's sheep. At the time, I didn't know what it meant. I knew it was some kind of call to ministry, and I knew it had something to do with when I was going to get older, but I, I didn't know how to respond to it. At the time, I was so Roman Catholic, and it would have meant going to some kind of Roman Catholic seminar. Thank goodness I didn't do anything with that at the time. And so I got I got a job in the insurance business that worked out really well for me. Meanwhile, I was involved. I knew that someday this, whatever this was, it would come to pass. So <clears throat> all the years I was in the insurance business, we we... We got out of debt. We saved money because we knew someday that that I was going to be involved in full time ministry. <clears throat> and so, all those years, I was an elder in, in our local church. I did some teaching on Sundays. I led a Bible study. I had a small group that I led. You were a worship. Leader. I led the worship for twenty years. Yeah. So I mean, if Brian Dixon wants some advice, yeah. Hey, Brian. <laughs> he now knows I got it, man. Where to go? <laughs> Yeah, I might need some help. <laughs> and then not only that, but then I, t- I taught all the worship leaders in the church when we started the church. I had a very specific, you know, format that we used. But at any rate, so um, all that was was God prepared me. Then at age 49, I, I sold my business with the idea of writing. I had no intention of being a pastor. <clears throat> Didn't really can, want to be a pastor. Can I, add, can I yeah. back up a little yeah. bit? Is that okay? Yeah. So for many years, we were in a charismatic church. After our conversion yeah. for, what, 18, 20, 20, 18, 18 years? 18 years, yeah. Anyway, and 
which had lots of practical advice for raising our family. But in about 1987, Bill decided that he wanted to, um, through a man named Ern Baxter, look into Edwards, Jonathan Edwards. Mm. And so he— One of uh, the charismatic guys, uh, Baxter, yeah. who's now dead. So he another thought, great preacher. thought, I'm, I'm going to read something by Edwards. So he, he happened to pick up the end for which God created the world. Light a dissertation on the end for which God created the world. A yeah. little light reading. <laughs> and uh, that was like dynamite for him, and that launched him into really uh, going after the Puritans and reading lots of Puritan literature and, of okay. course, mm-hmm. being introduced into the Reformed mm-hmm. faith and the doctrines of grace. And and that would kind of put an end to our time at that church. Eventually did, yeah. Yeah. And so he went to <clears throat> left and went to a different church for seven years. Great church, and uh, yeah, go ahead. So, so uh, Dad, you're being somewhat modest here about your insurance career. It was a very successful career. Yeah, uh, you were you were a big deal in the insurance world. So you you were an agency. You sold insurance for what 24 and a half years. But you were in management in that middle period. Five years. Yeah. So you sold insurance, and yeah. then you managed, what, 13 to 15 agents? And 16. Yeah. Yeah, that was like herding cats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I was at State Farm Agent for 10 years. That's mm-hmm. a self-employed position. Yeah. Then the company bought my business back for me, and I became an agency manager, which was a company employee for five years. At the end of that five years, I said, no, I want back in. I don't want to herd cats anymore. I want back into sales. So they've, the company very graciously let me back. There was a guy who was retiring in book and they gave me his business. He's still being so, modest because he, oh. well, he was at a meeting, a regional meeting, and was awarded the top manager in his region. Mm. And the next day he went to his boss and said, enough, I want out, I want, out. I want to go back to Well, me. and he also had the biggest agency in town, right, out of 25 uh, to 30 agents? No, I don't know if it was the biggest. Uh, I don't know if it was the biggest. It was a big. It was it was pretty big. It was a good sized agency though. Yeah. yeah, God God was very gracious to me. And during that time, we lived on about forty percent of our income, about twenty five percent with the taxes, and we saved the rest. Well, and I, I bring all that up because uh, it was a big deal for your wife. Yeah. When you said at age forty nine. Yes, it was. <laughs> I'm quitting this incredibly lucrative career to go write books. Yeah. So so mom, describe. Describe well, your feelings when that happened. Yeah, I, you know, in in going along with him, I, I like to think think about um, Abraham and how initially what God's he didn't say initially put your son on the altar and offer him up to me. He said, I want you to move to a new town. And every time he went along with God's command to do something, God brought good out of it. And I, as I, I mean, the first huge decision was uh, quitting law school and then leaving the Catholic Church. And <clears throat> I mean, I, I don't like change. I hate change. Going into management, you didn't want me to do that. Yeah. I mean, if it's not broken, why are we fixing it? Yeah. And it, nothing was broken. Everything was going along really well. But uh, he really felt. So he came to me and said, you know, I, I really want to quit. I want to be an author. 
And I think I said, well, you can preach pretty well, but I didn't know if you're going to be able to write a book. <laughs> just to the terrible? point. Just to the point. No, no, no. That's terrible <laughs> what? Real Proverbs woman. No, it wasn't terrible. That was true. I, I had to learn how to write. I, I was not a good writer when I said that. So I, I went I to the community a, college. Yeah, I took a class on writing and getting published and then hired a gal to edit. I would write stuff. She would edit it. Give it back to me. So. Vicki Anderson, this very nice gal that taught the class, and she, she was a pretty deep Christian. Yeah. But her best-selling book was a cat lovers devotional. Yes. <laughs> Sold three hundred thousand copies. Oh, oh my Which is a publishing gigantic success. And she wow. got Bill started, but yeah. it was rough going. I mean, yeah. a lot of rejections. Finally, his first thing that got published was an article in Discipleship Journal. On it was. Pierre Edwards. Uh, it was on God's purpose for God's creation. God's purpose for creation. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about books later. Okay. Let's 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 get back to to early GCF history. Okay. So, uh, April fifteenth, two thousand two, was day one of GCF. Yeah. But a year a year beforehand, roughly, uh, Mark approached you, right? Mark yeah, Williams. so the stock market crashed, and we when I left State Farm, we had some money invested. We were going to live off that. When the when nine one one happened, the stock market dropped thirty percent. So I said, I need some additional income that I didn't think I was going to need right away. So I went to my pastor and said, I'm going to look for some pastoral work, and he said, We'll hire you here. But <clears throat> um, it, I just knew it wasn't really a good fit. At the same time, Mark, actually Mark's brother-in-law, Kelly Clark who's an old friend, called me and said, hey, let's." we met for coffee or something, and Kelly said, our church is exploding. It was out here at, at the at the time they met at Northwest Christian. It was a PCA church. And the four families in that church were old friends of mine from our previous charismatic church. So we started meeting to talk about planting a church, which I'd never really thought about. I'd never even heard of church planting 25 years ago. Twenty years ago. Well, you met you met Mark then after Kelly talked. Yeah, to you. so Mark. Yeah, then Mark. Then the next thing, Mark called me and said, "Hey, Kelly told me about your visit. Let's meet." So we met at the McDonald's under the Maple Street Bridge. I remember and had coffee and talked about planning a church. So then we prayed from from that was like December. We prayed till April, and and we met at Mark's basement. The group of us did, and we'd meet and I'd preach and we'd talk about <coughs> we'd pray about whether we should do this. Meanwhile, my church. He's trying to get me to go to work for them. And uh, so finally we decided <coughs> to plant the church. He went back and forth. Yeah, it was a hard decision. So glad we planted the church, though, looking back on it. So it was it was you guys, you two, and then five families? Yeah, Kelly yeah. Clark, Mark's brother-in-law, Mark, another brother-in-law of Mark's. And, Chris uh, and Marty Hansen. Chris and Marty Hansen. Well, Chris and Marty weren't involved right away, were they? Yeah. They, they were, were. Mm-hmm. and then yeah, because a Chris, couple of the, Chris thought of the name moved to Texas shortly after that. What was that yeah. couple's name, name that moved to Texas? Oh, I, I can't remember. even remember. Mark could remember his name. Yeah. So there we were. We started meeting in the in the fireside room at Fourth Memorial. We met there for about two months, and then we the um, Eat Right Wedding Chapel on Monroe what came up for rent, so we rented that for about what two years, maybe a couple of years. That place was. Very interesting, but it worked. (laughs) It worked okay. Cold, very. We never knew if we'd have heat or air conditioning, you know. But you know, the famous line is Dick Collins said, "Man, we could have hung meat in here today." It was December. We had no heat. (laughs) People were wearing hats and gloves. Oh man, coats. 
but the warmth but of amazingly, the, Holy the church the church gradually grew through that period of time oh. what were what were some of the early challenges at GCF well Judy says when you know somebody would be gone she'd say you're going on vacation you have to find somebody to replace you this week you need, we need a, you need a sub can't yeah, leave without finding a sub because mm. there were so few of us. Well, the, the big problem was worship. I was doing the worship and the preaching, and so we made one really big. I made a really big mistake. We had. I was desperate for a worship leader, and this guy came along, and he'd been coming for about a month. His name was Bob. That's all you need. He said, "I won't tell you anymore." And he said, <laughs> "I'm, I'm." Uh, he'd had a lot of experience at worship leading. So I kind of impulsively said, okay, I'll have you lead. I want, I want to help you with leading worship. I can see you up there doing it by yourself. I said, okay, that was a big mistake. Oh my goodness. You learned. It didn't go well. No, it did not go well. So anyway, and I learned through that, you know, don't do make any impulsive um, decisions about giving people responsibility. That was. It was, it was <clears> challenging <throat> to get people to really commit. I, yeah. I've always said you. Membership. You, you have to have a pioneer spirit. You have to be willing to hang in there and move forward. I, I'll never forget, I, at one time I was leading a woman's Bible study, and I went and nobody showed up. I was there alone. I thought, well, <laughs> is it me? Mm. <laughs> no. But God, you know, we hung in there, and God blessed it. And, uh Yeah. By God's grace, we never had financial problems. Right from day one, it was pretty amazing. We had, we we always had adequate funds, which is rare for a church plant. And well, p- well, part of the reason is because you didn't take a salary the first. That was part of it. We still would have. We still would have had money even if I had taken a salary. Yeah. So I didn't take a salary for the first two and a half years. So so, so early 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 on, what were the what were the theological distinctives or values that you guys wanted to build the church on? Well, we had our five core values, and we and uh, we never changed those. Uh, the glory of God is the is the reason for everything. God is most glorified through the cross of Christ. We're trying to remember him. Number three, humility. The cross produces humility. Number four was a building men, Dave. I can't remember number Biblical five. Biblical manhood and womanhood. Yeah. Well, and yeah. one of them was reformed theology, right? Yeah. 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 Right. And yes. and. Continuationist pneumatology. Yeah, yeah. Continuationist. We're, re- we're really hungry for solid theological teaching, w- without comp and and um, the experience of Christ's Holy Spirit at work in our lives. It's interesting. I'm just listening to more than academics. Yeah, listening to some Martin Lloyd Jones stuff, and, the, and I mean that was him. He really wanted to wed. Theology with, with experience, and that was the Puritans, really. I mean, they were big on the experience on experiencing God. Preaching is logic on fire. Logic on fire. The fire, yeah. logic and fire, both. Yeah. The fire only God can bring. See, there you're very dependent on God for that. So yeah, we we gradually grew. I think one of the big challenges you mentioned challenges day was membership. Oh, it took us forever to develop. Five years, really to develop a culture where membership was valued in the church. We would talk about membership, have membership classes. Hardly anybody would come, and we just we kept talking. about. I didn't give up. I thought, I'm not going to give up on this. We're going to keep moving it. So eventually, I think one of the big things that surprised me is it took about five years to develop a church culture. Hmm. By that, I mean people would come into the church from the outside, and the church culture would begin to form and shape them. And uh, it 
at first, you know, we had different people coming from different churches all around, and they all came with different expectations and different ideas and different values. And a lot of those people came and went, but slowly we built a core of people that were all committed to the same values. It took a lot longer to do that than I expected. But once it was done, then that really began to shape and control the church, and everything got a lot easier after that. So when you planted the North Campus, for example, you took a whole bunch of people that were already were shaped, and they, they were already sharing the same values together. Yeah, that was huge. Yeah. Are, are, as you look around now at, uh, at GCF, are you surprised uh, as to what's happened over the years? Yeah, I am. And I'm, I think probably looking back over my life, this is my main work in life was planning the church, although, you know, God has a way of getting you where he wants you to be, even if you didn't ever think you were going to be there or ever wanted to go there. And that was me with planning the church. But looking back on it, I'm thinking, man, oh, man, this was a no-brainer. Why, did, why should, didn't I understand that this is what I should be doing? But, you know, I, I didn't. So we're really thankful for what's here. We're thankful for three campuses, hoping long after we're dead it'll continue to bear fruit. Yeah. Well, it's pretty amazing that what began with five families in Mark mm-hmm. Williams' basement is now three churches. Mm-hmm. Valley Central, Spokane, uh, North Spokane, over a thousand people on Sundays. Yeah, yeah. Probably a combined <laughs> revenue of two point three to two point five million dollars this next year. Mm-hmm. I'm just cl- so th- close to twenty on staff. Yeah, I'm so thankful for some of the brothers and sisters that have been here from the beginning. You know. From early on. Mark and Kim, Jim and Katie. I mean, Jim and Katie oh, came year three. Yeah, the yeah, Collins. They came the Collins. Collins came early. Um, Oscar and Stor- Stacey Har- Torres. Yeah. Travis Harkin. Harkin. Yeah. yeah, just oh, man, who else? love I those got, folks. We get the, the, the DeBoers. DeBoers. The DeBoers, yeah. yep. Yeah. Uh, Dale Lavoy, they, they came. Yeah, they came, they left, went, and came back. And they came, came back. back. Well, we had a, we've had a number of folks like that. Nate and Holly. Nate and Holly. Yeah. Yeah, Nate and Holly Williams. Yeah, so yeah. we're just so thankful. You know, when we first planted the church, when you plant a church, a lot of people hear about it, and they disgruntled people come. Yeah, and people that have never ad- been happy in a church yeah. come. They think we're going. This is finally the church is going to make us happy. <laughs> they bring their agenda, and yeah. they they mm-hmm. think, well, we can we can get them to go where we want to go. Mm-hmm. So, you know, some of those folks came and left and didn't come back. I, yeah. We've always said, man, if everyone that hit, ever came stayed we would oh we'd be, be ten thousand people <laughs> oh it would be a huge church it would be yeah. gigantic yeah but you know some folks left and, and then when david and heidi came on board a number of folks we had kind of a backdoor revival i know dave was worried about getting paid at one point <laughs> well when i when i came fall of 05 <coughs> there were about 140 people and within a couple of months we're down to about 90 yeah, yeah right so i thought Hopefully I can get paid next month because I got some young mouths to feed. You know, uh, in the early years when David Heidi were still in Virginia and he was on staff back there, he, I think he called every Sunday and said, Dad, how many people were at church today? <laughs> and, and I think at one point he said, you need at least 80 people, additional people to bring on another pastor. Is that right? <laughs> Something like that. Something like I don't know. That. I don't know what the numbers are. He was eager to come out and be yeah. part of this uh-huh. deal. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, on, on behalf of, of all the people at GCF, and there's a lot these days, thank you for all the sacrifices you made early on. It's been a blessing. It was worth it. Thanks for your leadership. Thanks for the risks that you took. It wasn't very glamorous early on, but mm-hmm. but God has done a wonderful work, and, and now we are three vibrant, healthy churches. Yeah, praise God. You know, God. one of the hardest things when you got a new church plant, and my son-in-law, Tony, was appreciating us right now because he's planted a church in, Philadelphia, in the Philadelphia area. But, you know, you work really hard in your sermon all week, and you get up to preach, and there's nobody there. Hey, <laughs> it was, it was having, we normally have 100 people. There's only 60 today. Mm. You know, it goes up and down all the time. And, oh, I did all that work, and these people, I, you know, these people aren't going to hear this. Mm. It, it, it's uh, Those are some of the frustrations you go through when you're, you're planning a church. But you just have to persevere and be faithful. Mm. And the people yeah. that persevere. occasionally walk out in the middle of the sermon. Yeah. Have you had that happen, Dave? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I can actually see them at the North Campus through the windows walking to their cars. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's right. You're and I think, what did I say? <laughs> Is it me? <laughs> Are the Seahawks playing? What's going on? <laughs> but like we said, many of those folks that. came back and stayed. Praise God. Well, we got to wrap it up. But thanks so much uh, for giving us an early history of GCF. Thanks for listening to Flock Talk, a ministry of GCF North. GCF North exists to glorify God through gospel-centered worship, evangelism, discipleship, and community. To learn more, go to our website, gcfnorthspokane.org.